Oh, shit. Here we go again. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Surprise, motherfucker. Welcome to the Godfathers of Podcasting, broadcasting live on the Shuli Network every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Archives of this show are available on every major podcast provider, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, Sunday Nights, MainEvent.com, and so many more. You can also find archives, merch, and more on their official website, GodfathersOfPodcasting.com. The Godfathers are always talking about music, TV shows, movies, comedy, sports, current events, and whatever else is on their minds. But why are they called the Godfathers of Podcasting? Because they've been podcasting before podcasting was even called podcasting. Now, here are your hosts, the two guys who have made online broadcasting their home since 1996, the Godfathers of Podcasting themselves, Donnie DeSilva and Chris Tidwell. Hello, hello, hello. It is Thursday, March 23rd at 8.02 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we are the Godfathers of Podcasting. That's Tid. I'm Donnie. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to everyone joining us live right now in the Shuli Network. If you are not live with us right now, you're checking out an archive of this show. Maybe join us live next time. It's always more fun to be here live. For those of you that are with us right now in the chat, we always welcome questions, comments, and cash. Tidwell, how are you? Fantastic. Before we go any further, I just want to do a quick shout out to uh, somebody that we've partnered up with, uh, a new energy drink company called Swift Lifestyles. This mm-hmm. is one of the first ever eSport clean energy drinks, mm. five calories, 30 servings to a jug, less than a dollar a serving. You got cherry burst, blue sour strip, sour green apple, bubble gum, Go to swiftlifestyles.com slash discount slash godfathers for 15% off right now. It would be much appreciated. Yes, I am that kind of a whore, Donnie. I have heard so much about this Swift Energy drink. I cannot wait to get my order and try this stuff, Ted. Uh, it is quite delicious, I must say. How's your week been? How are you? Man? My, my, my week, my last week, my weekend, it was... Yeah. Uh, it was quite good. I finally got to see, uh, like I told you, I finally got to see Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. it I is, saw Shazam. <laughs> it is hilarious. And I heard Shazam shit the bed. No, people are such dicks. You know what? Movie critics should be banned from seeing fun superhero movies. It's a fun superhero movie. Not every superhero movie has to be the best thing ever. It's just fun. That is, that's become the new... That's become the new saying when a superhero movie shits the bed. It didn't. It was super fun. I liked it. I laughed. It was cute. It had some uh, some tense moments. It had some touching moments. It was cute. You know what? It was tense. It was touching. It was heartfelt. It was exciting. It had everything yeah. That, yeah. that my favorite sports event of the year has which is by the way today and tomorrow we have sweet 16 games going baby march madness i'm so excited as soon as this show is over i'm going straight to the couch to watch sweet 16 games because tid we are that much closer to the final four and you know what that means in one shot, in 
I can't wait for one shining moment. It is the best part. It is the best. I'm I'm geeking out over one shining moment. Yeah, yeah, you you really are. All I right. don't give a fuck. You let's not uh, let's not wait any longer, Donnie. And I first became aware of this week's guest way back in the late 90s when this girl I was dating at the time told me all about her cousin that got his ass whipped by this really hot Italian guy in a judo tournament. I broke up with that girl later that day, but I've worked through those issues and I no longer have an issue with this man. He had a very successful career in judo as one of the absolute best in the country. A few years later, an old high school buddy of mine started to train to become a professional wrestler under coach Don Koloff. One of the others in his class was a tough Italian with a judo background. Now I'm slow. So I didn't immediately put two and two together. Even when he debuted on the independent wrestling scene as Johnny Giobasco, I didn't quite realize it was the same dude I'd heard about years earlier. So this good looking, or as my ex-girlfriend would say, hot young Italian progressed through the indie scene, probably taking a few potatoes from my co-hosts along the way. And he eventually ended up training in WWE's developmental territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And in 2007, he officially started his WWE journey with arguably one of the absolute best character debuts in company history. He went on to have an unforgettable nine-year run that was filled with iconic moments punctuated by his incredible comedic timing and ability to think on his feet. Since leaving WWE in 2016, he continued to make special appearances for them and other companies. He worked as a television analyst, opened a successful training facility, and most recently started in Impact Wrestling as their Director of Authority. Regular listeners of this show will remember his daughter, Bianca, was a guest on this program way back on episode 77. Today, Bianca is known by her WWE name, Ariana Grace. Now. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and grab a cold bottle of Stella. Listen up good as I rhyme a cappella. He's agile and slick and can dance that on Tella. He looks like a leading man from telenovela. At least that's what my ex said, that Troya Carmela. If you're out in the rain, he'd bring you an umbrella, because that's the kind of guy he is, a real good fella. Now give it up for that son of a gun, Santino Marella. Nice, God, that was good, man. You got Nutella. You should have worked Nutella in there. You know, it was very good, but I'm a coach, so I always find the negative, you know? <laughs> that, that is, that is the worst awesome. shit sandwich I've ever heard right there, son. <laughs> I like that you I like that you tagged in here as uh, Johnny Giabasco. That was for you. That is, <laughs> no one else is going to get that. Okay, so let me get this straight just very quickly for my own thing, because... You know, I don't know why the fuck I would have ever done it in the first place other than we're doing this is I actually looked at your Wikipedia page. Well, that was a <laughs> three days later of going down that wormhole. Holy crap, dude. But it says in the beginning, your first match was against Rico Montana in Orangeville mm -hmm. for Ring Wars. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Well, I had one battle royal in uh, 1999. Um, at the uh, at the drag race track there in Ontario, what the hell is it called? Um, the drag race, uh, oh my god, anyhow, but Cayuga, uh, Cayuga, gosh, yes, 
but I, it was just a one a one off. I didn't start training yet, and then uh, I started training two thousand two with uh, with Don Kolov, and then uh, yeah, Rico Montana was my first match in two thousand and three, and then after you know about six indie matches, uh, you know there was no internet, right? There was nothing. You had to you had to go, so I I left. And I went to Japan and tried to figure it out there. How scary was it's, that uh, for you? Japan? Uh, no, I, I knew what to expect. I've been to Japan. Just like getting up and going. Yeah, the scary thing was, you know, like I had my daughter, right? My daughter was, I had to sit her down and tell her like, you know, I I, I got to go do this for like for us. And then but my daughter was like already identified as like a superstar, you know, and, but like, what, what am I? I, I, I was given the responsibility of having this superstar child and so I got to go be able to take her somewhere. And, you know, I don't know my, I knew I was good at wrestling and I knew that would help me, you know, reach a level where I can kind of reach back and, and pull her up and, and, and have her showcase. And so far I've been, the plan is working, <clears throat> but uh, no, I, I knew I was going to have to fight my way through the dojo. And I, I had been to Japan before in, in 1992, <clears throat> it was the international high school, uh, like judo championships. And uh, it was basically 18 and under, and it was a team competition. So uh, it's it's pretty intense there. The dojo life there is very intense. So I knew I was going to have to fight my way through the ranks, but there's some of the greatest memories I have in my life. You know, just I was by myself before George Terzis came. He came a few months later. He, he had been there before, but when I went, I went by myself. And I mean, like, isolation, tiny little apartment, just training every day, um, kind of just had to earn, earn the respect of everybody in the gym and earn myself a shot on one of their, and first their shows were like once every two months. So like the first, I was training for like two, three months for like one match, you know? And then uh, they started coming a little more frequently by the end of the year, but Man, you know, and you question yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to get a break? Am I going to be known? Am I going to going to be successful, right? Like, there's, everyone's journey is completely unique. You have to blaze your own trail. So this was something I got in my head that it was going to work, and uh, I left, yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, it's it's kind of a rib almost, right? You throw Johnny Geobasco, your independent wrestling name, up on the screen. But one of the biggest stories right now revolving around you is the fact that you got your name back, right? Because oh, yeah. for, for years, anytime you made an appearance anywhere, you had to go by your real name, Anthony Corelli, because your f- former employer, the WWE, owned your name. I haven't heard the story. How did you get your name back? Did it, did the copyright just expire? Did they make some kind of deal with you? What what happened there? Yeah, it's not as exciting. Um, so basically, <laughs> Scott DeMoor, you know, has a habit, and it's a good habit, when he gets former WWE guys, he just checks the trademark. And as of 2021, they didn't renew it. So oh. uh, he, he just jumped on it. And I mean... I had spoken with Scott and I was going to go to Impact anyway. And we were trying to figure out, you know, am I going to be like Saint Tino, like, you know, like San, like San Diego, you know? Um, but when he told me they got it, I'm like, oh my God, this is 
makes it so much better, man. It's like, I don't have to be a knockoff. I can be the genuine yeah. article. And uh, it, it was the icing on the cake for sure. Well, it certainly does leave a weird, almost like dollar store feel, right? For fans, when they see some of their favorite faces with like a slightly different knockoff version of their name or something like, you know, the casual fan looks at that and goes, well, what is this? This is like Santino from Wish. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, so I think one of the loopholes is you can just call yourself uh, like the first name because you can't trademark uh, a single name, right? So right. I probably could have got away with just Santino mm. uh, instead of Santino Morella, but it's funny because it was bigger. It, it was actually bigger news that I, I, I was able to be Santino Morella than the fact that I kind of debuted on Impact. And, and <laughs> it was just crazy when I went to introduce myself. I gave that little pause, and you could see the entire audience like, "What's he going to call himself?" and and then the reaction was like, "Oh wow, he's Santino," you know. So it, it was well received. So who owns the name now? Is it Impact or is it you? Impact. Ah, so you're screwed again. <laughs> yeah, but they're cool. They let me use it anywhere I go. <laughs> That's good. Um, I I gotta like you know what? When I think about your journey, your pro wrestling journey, it's pretty unique, man. It's pretty special. Like to come from where you did, where you started pretty late. Right. Yeah. You started, if I'm not mistaken, you started bumping when you were what, 28 years old? Yeah, I started training at 28. I had my first match 29. All of 30, I was in Japan. And then I started learning like uh, WWE style, you know, like how to lock up and hit the ropes at 31. And uh, I got signed at 32 and debuted at 33. And pack your bags, you're on the road for like eight years straight. And then I had neck surgery. And then I was with the company for a couple more years, but those last two years was kind of, I was just trying to rehab my neck and, and get yeah. it to a point where I can come back and wrestle. But it never, never really got, I mean, I can have matches here or there, but I have to be, you know, stingy with bumping. It's funny because when you debuted, you're at the age when a lot of workers are thinking about putting their boots away, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever Sorry, when I debuted, uh, I, was talking, I, uh, I had met Edge like once before, but anyway, this is the first time we were in the locker room. He's like, how old are you? And uh, we're the same age, him and I. And I go, I'm 33. And he's like, what? You're already old. <laughs> and uh, he had been wrestling for, God, like 15 years already. And I was, yeah. when I debuted on Raw, I was still green. I was still, uh, most of my matches had been in class, in Rip Rogers class. And then when I got signed at OVW, I was doing squash matches as Boris Alexia. So I wasn't really even learning to tell stories and fight from underneath and all this other stuff. And so anyway, I was green when I started. I had to, I had an expedited education being paired up with guys like, you know, William Regal and uh, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> Look at that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was your favorite to do? <laughs> like is there is there an ethnicity that you haven't done yet <laughs> i haven't been hungarian yet yet okay. yet <laughs> it's funny um, so in japan they couldn't i guess they're not used to a two-part last name so they, they kept calling me joe bosco like joe bosco 
And, uh, but I didn't have the heart to correct them all the time. Do you ever, do you ever look back and think to yourself, and I know that, you know, you can't change what happened and your journey is your journey, but do you ever think to yourself, what if I started training to be a pro wrestler at 18? What would my career look like? Not, not as good. I think I just had this conversation. I think I would have been, uh, maybe dead to be honest. Explain. Uh, stupid when I was young, man. You know, I was nuts. Um, I mean, I can only imagine being introduced to drugs at that age and losing control and not being able to have the maturity to realize, shit, you're screwing up your life. I mean, there's a lot of guys um, in, in that generation that were just on the road too young and, and they screwed up. And, um, you know, they pulled themselves together and uh, they're good people, but I, I, I have a feeling I would have fell in that category, man. You know, I just, I would have been, you know, no supervision, just out on the road, making money. Like, yeah, it could have been bad. I think, to be honest, well, I, I actually count my blessings that I started later in life. I think what you're alluding to is the fact that, and I'm, I'm only spelling this out, not for you, but for the audience, but you really joined the company at the end of their really rampant pain pill period. And I mean, we've yeah. talked about this with X-Pac and Kevin Nash and others who, who tell us what it was like, you know, and they take a handful of somas just to get through the day and pass out and do it again tomorrow. Um, that's, yeah. that's a tough life for, for a 20 year old on the road. Yeah, I got there just as the wellness policy was introduced. Right. And uh, the wellness policy was great. It saved lives, man. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a wrestler, you have like terminal adolescence, right? You don't want to grow up anything but getting a job. And there, there's some commonalities. There's probably some ADHD with, in, in everybody. A lot of guys are probably on the spectrum, you know, lightly, whether it's Asperger's or whatever, and they can't hold down real jobs. And they need this, like this lifestyle. Of, of a new adventure every single day, but then hyper-focusing on your career and, and your training and all this stuff. Um, and we like to party, man. We like to feel good. We like to get a buzz, whether it's drinking or smoking or whatever. So, But don't you, don't you notice that the, the, the lifestyle, it seems like the locker room mentality is different now. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this next generation that you've been teaching at your, at your gym or even as you were getting out of working on TV that you notice, like, <clears throat> they're different. Oh, they're, they're different. They're so different. You know like, what I mean? Like, we look, know about the generation before us. Yeah. And we we're part of that tail end of it. You know what I mean? But the kids, the, like the whole business is completely different now, right? It's so different in so many ways. Like the, the, the average weight of a wrestler is probably down uh, 50 pounds on average, I'd say. Yeah, there are a lot of guys, but two, who's probably under 200 pounds uh, and he's been there like 20 years. Um, you know, there's guys that do yoga. There, there's vegans like can you imagine back in the day it was just steroids weights let's fucking go and uh cocaine and all that stuff and now guys uh there are uh, like it seems to be like a lot more educated with with regards to wellness and longevity prehab rehab physiotherapy 
you know, uh, yeah, have, you know, they play video games instead of going to strip clubs, and uh, and they're going to live longer, and they're more athletic. It doesn't sound like these days, after an episode of Monday Night Raw, half the roster is at the Marriott Bar till 3 a.m., you know. Yeah, no, just, no. just finishing all the Jack Daniels. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a different time. And even still, I, I'm glad I caught, like, a, the tail end was good enough. <clears throat> you know, saw it, lived it. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Santino, Anthony, Stoney, Anthony, I, Stone Papa Smurf here is saying, wait, so Santino is saying majority of wrestlers are autistic? No, I didn't say that. Where did no. that come from? <laughs> I don't hey. know. This is, this is what they're saying over here in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying there's a lot of guys that are, are lightly on the spectrum in some capacity. It doesn't have to be full-blown autism, but there's guys that are, um, Asperger's is the one that comes to my mind. Just guys that don't fit in socially to, to nine to five jobs. The thought of sitting in a cubicle might drive them fucking insane. And they gotta be on, on the road and they gotta be free and they're just unconventional. And uh, don't forget, the spectrum is very, very, very wide. And it's, you know, full blown autism on one side. And then there's guys that may never be diagnosed and they just may have just a different way of, of, of thinking. Um, ADHD, I'd say there's some, some, you know, a lot of guys that may have those qualities. You have to be a, you have to be a little, a little left of center just to say this is the lifestyle that I want to live, anyways, right. in the world of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a your typical nine to five thing. And 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 here's right. the thing: you and I, we've known each <laughs> other for a long time. No, no, go ahead and put that back up for a second, guys, because this kind of leads me into it. You have you are. To me and to people that know you, you are a very quiet, you know what I mean? Well-respected, mild-mannered, like Clark Kent with the glasses on is what I'm kind of saying. You know what I mean? And you carry yourself, you carry yourself very much with a, 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 a man's demeanor, the don't fuck with me demeanor, but you don't exude like I'm a fucking tough guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, and then the camera comes on and it's like, it's this, it's the Santino Morello character. It's the, the, the stickiness of it. Was there ever, was there ever a time where it was tough or was it easy to like, to shut it off? You know what I mean? Did it make it easier being who you are? Or did it make it tougher? Yeah. I, I have the switch, right? I can be sitting there and, um, uh, I saw I saw a clip of oh god what, what's that actor he's in like uh, oh god. Leonardo DiCaprio and there's a mm. clip when everyone's just waiting like there's like all these people extras and he's just sitting there and they go three two and he snaps into character in one second and everyone's like wow did you see the way he snapped into character and I can snap into character uh, in a in a split second. Um, it was, I don't know how, well, the thing is, when you develop the character, you have to know every single nuance about the character, mm -hmm. his parents, his fictional parents, you know, where he, where he lived. Like I could write a prequel, like a movie 
I actually, <laughs> well, I did Jericho's podcast one time and I was 45 minutes in character as Santino telling you the life story up until the moment that he debuted on TV. And, um, but I, I, I know that level of detail. Maybe that's what helped me snap into it so easily, but uh, character development's an interesting thing, man. Sometimes people can do it without even really realizing why or what they're doing. They're just natural at it. Sometimes you got to get trained into it. In pro wrestling, especially in the big companies, Impact, AEW, WWE, maybe a lot of fans don't realize this, but there are people agents whose job it is to help the wrestlers put together their match and to help the wrestlers ensure that their match makes sense within the context of the entire show. Right. Is it time that we have a coach backstage whose job it is to specifically punch up the characters, fuck the moves, but the character the personality, the, the, yeah, you've got a gimmick and I see your gimmick when you hit the curtain, but the second you grab a wrist lock, your character's gone, which is most guys. Right. So like, don't we need that? Don't we need like a character development agent that isn't worried about the moves, but can go around and float around and help everyone to bring it out a little more. It's not easy to, to bring out, character i mean that should be done in developmental when they're they're Mm. training and stuff um there's different tricks you know like uh actually happened to me one time i was wrestling on a ring wars show and as johnny giobasco hey we'll put santino (laughs) as johnny giobasco i didn't know what to say i didn't know how to react because it wasn't a character it was just a name a name and then one time i played uh sensei hiroshima somebody didn't show there was an extra an extra uniform and I put on the ninja outfit with a mask. And immediately I felt this, the fact that I had a character and not just a, a guy with a name. Mm. Like when I came backstage, everyone was like, wow, that was like the most character you've ever showed. And so sometimes you have to, having a character right now, it, it, it's really just to sink your teeth into it. If you're in professional wrestling school and you're in the Indies, the purpose of the character is to have a canvas to paint on. You know what I mean? It's not going to be your character. I, I was Boris Koloff, Boris Alexiev, Johnny Giobasco. And then all of a sudden, one day, I became this guy named Santino. But the fact that I was playing characters, period, helped me become a better character player. Um, and there are guys that are... And there's guys that don't need any characters. They, they, can, they can be a stone-faced uh, a Lance Storm, you know, a guy who's just a wicked technical wrestler, and maybe he has a mouthpiece or not. But you're right, though. And you can't have 10 of those guys, right? You can't have 10 of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, there used to be diversity. There's, there's room for a couple. But yeah. uh, a lot of guys, when they start wrestling, man, they never stop. They never take breaks. And with regards to a coach, a coach, I think we, a good thing a coach could say is, okay, at that moment, pause, have a little glance. You don't have to go crazy and start, you know, cheerleading, but you can give a little look if you're a heel or, you know, interact with the audience subtly um, as as opposed to trying to remember what's next, right? And that's the thing too. The style of wrestling changed where it's a, it's a lot of memory. 
especially for TV. And it's not because they're, it's not always because they weren't properly trained, but the producers got to know what's happening to catch it on film, on camera, the best they can. So they have to actually memorize TV matches, not necessarily move for move, but key moves for sure. But that takes away from your ability to, to call it in the ring and you know, just go out there. What's the finish? How much time you have? Okay, listen to me, kid. Because when you're only given little snippets of the match and you don't know what's next, it's a lot easier to focus on your character because that's all you got. That's the only information you have besides move or fire up or whatever. So that's one of the things that has changed as well. The, 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 the nature of, of storytelling versus um, memorizing. In pro wrestling, um, wrestlers, promoters, they are known for hyperbole. They are known for exaggeration, right? Whether it's telling a story, whether it's exaggerating the house, the number of people in, in the building, whatever it is, exaggeration is kind of par for the course. Yeah. In all the years that Tid and I have been doing this, going on all the way back to 1996, there are two statements that stand out in my mind as being the most over-the-top hyperbolic statements I ever heard. One was Tid and I, back in 1997, early 97, we interviewed Vince Russo. And he told us about Adam Copeland before he was Edge. And he said, this guy is going to have a Ric Flair type career. In 1997, that's right. That sounded ridiculous in 1997. Yeah. Um, the other one, the other one was in 2007 when you debuted on on Raw, in an amazing debut. Your pal Rico Montana came on our old podcast, and he said, "This guy Santino Morella, you guys don't realize this yet." but he has as much or more charisma than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, wow. It's a big com comparison. And, like, at the time, right, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. And then you go on to have this unbelievably charismatic, entertaining run where it's like, you know what? Both statements weren't crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. I always thought, and that was one of the things when I opened Battle Arts, I kind of got, I hate saying trapped, yeah. but I kind of felt trapped there a little bit. I really wanted to pursue some acting, but um, the business mm. kind of helped me there for a bit. But now that I, uh, uh, you know, I have partners and um, I look forward to taking advantage of some, some opportunities and, and doing a little more acting and stuff. There's the debut. Was unbelievable. Here's the thing, was the Santino... Um, character was that the like was that the was that the peak or is there another character inside of you that you're trying to get out <coughs> do you want yeah. to do character acting or do you want to do acting as yourself no if i well yeah it's, i would like to challenge myself you know like i, I think like uh police movie, uh, a criminal movie. Uh, I do children's television, uh, the show right. called Miss Persona. I basically play a character named Alfredo. Kind of sounds a lot like Santino, to be honest, you know. <laughs> I definitely, definitely recycled. Um, yeah, I mean, 
with regard in professional wrestling, I have to I have to stay Santino. So I, I kind of wanted to be me, me again, you know. Uh, I was I was a character for so long that when when uh, WWE did not renew my contract, it was like ah, I get to be me again, man. Like I like me, man. I mean, me got me there, and me worked really hard, and, and all this stuff. And uh, anytime I went somewhere and did commentary as Anthony Corelli, it was, you know, there's no equity in Anthony Corelli, right? All the equities in in the character Santino and and, uh, so anyway, and the voice. Yeah, people are so disappointed when they when they, when they meet Anthony, and they're like, I don't give, I don't care, I want to meet Santino. So yeah, I Santino. Do it. Come on, do the voice. Come on, do it. You hear it all the time. <laughs> I've accepted it. I've accepted the fact that that, that that's what's... Uh, if I'm in the wrestling business and I'm on TV and I'm playing a character, it's, it's going to be Santino. Uh, I just mentioned... Randy, uh, Santino, if Donnie was a masked luchador, what's his name? Oh, I'm El Gigante Jr. I was going to say El Portuguese. I love it. I'm all over that one. Uh, I, I mentioned Rico Montana, and uh, he just texted me, and he said, not to put Anthony over too much, but I'd put money on him to hold his own against anyone in the business. Brock would beat him, but he would hold his own. Not bad for a comedy wrestler. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm too fast for Brock. But uh, no, I was watching, actually, I was watching a video compilation of him picking up like uh, Big Show, Mark Henry, Braun Strowman. He picks them up so easily. That yeah. guy is like, there's country strong, you know, corn fed strong, whatever you want to call it. He's that. So Randy Orton told me he saw him. So Brock was about 308 or like 310, give or take five pounds. And he did like 32 pull-ups. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like pound for pound for pound, that's off the charts. Because yeah. people that do 32 pull-ups are guys that weigh 140 pounds, not 310 pounds. It's, that's terrifying. The first He's time I saw guy. him in OVW doing shooting star presses, I was like, "Are you, is this real? This is a video game. This, this is not real. This yeah. guy's a freak athlete. Um, the Brock Lesnar thing, though, it transitions nicely to something that you kind of touched on earlier, but I want to dive a little bit more into it, is... It feels like the fans today group wrestlers into two categories, right? There's the sports entertainers, which are, they would have put Santino Morella in that category, right? The guys that are out there to entertain you, make you laugh, goof around. And then there's the work rate guys. And it feels like, for example, the AEW fans, maybe a lot of the Impact fans, they're all about the Dave Meltzer five-star ratings. That's all they care about or at least that's what they say. And it feels like it's a very niche part of the audience. And they just seem to like almost shit on everything else. And everything comes down to, well, how many moves can he do? You know, which is such an asinine argument where I see people on Twitter fighting with each other. Oh, Brock Lesnar, shit. He only does three moves. I'm like, Brock Lesnar's a great worker. Like he guy sells yeah, I, his ass I, I, off. Those are people that have no business debating anything. Um, Brock Lesnar is an incredible worker, and he's oh my very God. generous. And he's uh, yeah. yeah, actually, in terms of underrated, like he's not an underrated superstar because he's very over and he's very popular. 
But as a as a as a professional wrestler, Brock Lesnar is incredible. Agreed. If you ever questioned, did he just go rogue there? Did he just go on his own? Is he playing along? If you ever questioned that, he's the best because that's the whole point. That that is suspension of disbelief to, to the utmost degree. Where you're, he got me that one time when he when, when he, he busted open Cena, and I'm like. Shit, is he going on his own kind of thing? And he got me. That means he got me. He got me. Um, you know, he's one of the only guys. I'd see him every week. And every week I kind of look over and go, Jesus Christ, look at this guy. His whole proportions. He's like, he's a living action figure. And he's yeah. such a nice guy too, man. He's a cool dude. And, and a Canadian now. And now yeah, he's in the Saskatchewan oats. He's uh, the oat farmer. Quaker oatmeal. I love that. Is. Yeah, it's funny. He probably ate like oats. He, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he, was like, he was like, I'm not going to the store to buy him anymore. I'm just going to buy a farm. <laughs> I got my oats. And I got oats. Most manly thing that you could possibly think of doing, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's a man. Oh, man. there he is. I, I always make, I always kind of make jokes hoping somehow they filtered him. I'm like, you can invite me, you can invite me to go hunting anytime now. Like, <laughs> it feels like this most recent run of his, of Brock, over the last couple of years, it feels like he's having the most fun of his career. Like, it yeah. feels like he's now just being himself, right? He's not concerned with the, with the facade. He's clowning around. He's a, he's a big old redneck who just wants to punch people in the mouth. You know, he breaks character all the time, and he sells it like it's, he's just having a good time. Yeah, it looks Do like miss really any of it? Do you miss any of it? Um, WWE. Yeah, I right, just the the tra the 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 hectic travel. You're not traveling as much. It's very nice. Like you've got a pretty, you know, I mean, a, a pretty good schedule. I can imagine with with Impact, right? Yeah, the next few weeks are actually a little taste. So I came back from yeah. Ireland yesterday, and I'm I'm leaving my house at 5 a.m. to go Ooh. to Windsor, where we're leaving. We're filming Impact. Then I get back on Sunday, and then I leave on Wednesday for six days down in L.A. So this little stretch right now is kind of reminiscent of how it was because uh, when I was there for the majority of my time, uh, I think I think the majority, at least four or five years, we had to go to both TVs. So when you go to both TVs, that means you fly out Friday, do the house show, Saturday live event, Sunday live event, or pay-per-view, Monday, Raw, Tuesday, SmackDown, Wednesday, you come home, you get home around noon, if you're lucky and you're in the East Coast. And then you got, you're, and you're tired, right? So you're, you're, that, that day is not a write-off, but, you know, I go to dinner with my daughter, see my parents. And then you got one day, and you got to go get your workout in, some laundry, tan, and whatever. Go, pack up your shit and, and go again. And the difference between a five-day work week and a four-day work week when you're on the road is night and day, man. Being mm -hmm. home for two and a half days, it's like I, you can do that forever. But when you are only home for a day and a half, it's like you're slow. You're a little bit of a deficit every week in terms of recovery, and then it starts to accumulate. Uh, I was a little bit over it. I was over it for a while. Uh, I mean, like last couple of years, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to leave and go anywhere. But but uh, it just wasn't as maybe exciting. But uh, it took. It took years of being at Battle Arts and then COVID to make me really appreciate going out on the road again. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it right now. I love being in the locker room. Uh, I mean, impact is not necessarily on the road because we'll film all our TVs in one location. The road was, you know, do the show, drive four hours, get to the hotel, wake up, do your thing, you know, do the show, drive three hours, sometimes five hours. It's the driving. That's actually literally on the road, right? Um, right now it's like, yeah, these, these weekend loops or trips, they're, they're awesome. I enjoy them immensely. Santino, I want to talk about Impact Wrestling, but before I switch gears, I want to ask you quickly, do you pay attention at all to the WWE product these days? Um, you know, on social media, it's in my feed. So okay. I don't watch so, the shows. I don't watch any wrestling, to be honest, but it's kind of social media. Social media kind of keeps you up to date. Before we went on the air tonight, one of our producers that's sitting backstage right now, he said, oh, my God, Santino was amazing during that whole run. Like in the PG era, he was a perfect fit. And I said, off air, he could work any era. He could be over like a motherfucker right now if he was 30 years old right now. And I think in my mind, as we're talking, I, I wasn't planning this, but there's a lot of similarities between what you did and what Sami Zayn is doing right now. That yeah, guy I can, I, I, went I can, from being a total underneath player. Yeah, he went from being a total underneath player to fans demanding he fights for the world title, all based on backstage vignettes. Yeah, Sami is Sammy is personality. Incredible. I mean, from El Generico to Sami Zayn to going through the, mm -hmm. the developmental system, FCW, NXT, like... He's an incredible worker, but it's ultimately the character. And that, that's a great, I mean, we were talking about it a second ago. He can do everything. He can do any move, anything. But what is getting over? It's the, the intimacy with the character, the subtle expressions, the interactions, even Roman. Like the last, I don't know how long that the bloodline has been going on. I don't, I don't care about Roman matches. I care about Roman promos. And totally. he, like... He's, a, he's incredible. Like, his character, he's so good right now. And uh, so, I mean, the evidence is undeniable, right? The moves are good, but the storylines still are king, you know? We mentioned in the open your daughter, Bianca, who's been on our show before. Um, actually, I think, Ted, just a month or so before she signed, right? was when Bianca was on the show. Like, really, like, weeks before she signed. So it was great to get her on when we did. Um, and now she's obviously going, yeah, look at that. Eh? Uh, <laughs> when, when you heard the name, when you heard the name they gave her, Ariana Grace, was there any part of you thinking, you know, Ariana Morelli would have been, Morella would have been really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ariana Grace is good enough. <laughs> you know, it's not like, Look what Dolph Ziggler did with Dolph Ziggler. You know what I mean? Sure. That was the dumbest name ever. But he pulled it off. So Ariana Grande, Ariana Grace, uh, maybe in the future. So there's not really a consistency. I mean, like uh, Curtis Axel, you know? Right. Everyone knew whose dad was. Um, who, who else is there? I mean, Bray Wyatt, Mike Rotundo. Everyone the big one right him. now is uh, the big one right now is Rick Steiner's kid, right? Yeah, yeah, he's wicked. But they they go by Braun Breaker, and everyone knows he's a Steiner. Like, just call him Steiner. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know the. I don't know the the, the psychology behind that. I'm sure there's a reason. Oh, I but... know the reason. It's because it's because Rick and Scott own the name. <laughs> no, I mean, like for for my daughter and for everybody. Like, oh, for your daughter. There has to be a philosophy behind that. Um, I don't know what it is, but well, whatever, it's good enough. Oh, you know, but part of it's also good, right? Okay, Charlotte Flair, that's a different one. See what I mean? Like they use Flair for that, but that's, but I think that's actually their name. It's just a different spelling. But it is. in this sense, she gets to make it on her own merit. And I, we, we had a conversation. So when you're second generation or third generation, uh, there, there are going to be those people that, whatever, idiots, right? The people that just talk shit all the time. They're, they're going to say, uh, oh, she's only there because her dad. So, you know, she has to work like three times as hard and be yeah. that much better than everybody else to erase that. And not for, like, you're not going to erase it for those people, but for yourself. So you can say, no, I know I earned this. I know I deserve this. And just for yourself. Um, so in that sense, Ariana Grace is making it on Because there's people I talk to and, uh, you know, so, oh, yeah, my daughter's resting. Who's your daughter? And Ariana Grace did What? Oh, I know her. No way. So I guess this is not that public yet, but I, I just can't wait for her to, to to explode and blow up. Like, I'm positive that she will, man. I just can't wait to go to Mania and just as a dad, you know, just as a dad. And, she's and so, she's so fucking good, man. She's so yeah, she's good. Like, she has veteran now. instincts. Yeah, the uh, they love her at the PC because so every incarnation of the performance center or developmental, you got to produce, and you got to produce a top superstar. You can send guys like you know whatever, but you want to send a superstar. So she, you know, she obviously has a lot of charisma and superstar qualities, and she's her wrestling is good enough now to be a megastar. And uh, so at the PC, they really like her because. She's going to be that superstar that they produce that justifies all the work they put in in that developmental uh, program. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, switch gears, talk a little bit about your current employer, Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Is it just me or does it feel like 85 to 90% of the roster is all from Ontario? Uh, there's quite a, Ohio and Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guys from Ohio too. I mean, yeah. You know, Scott's from Windsor, so he's had the opportunity to see a lot of guys. And there are incredible wrestlers everywhere. Like, so for example, I was just in Ireland and the UK, and I came back with like six guys. I'm saying, these six guys are fucking wicked. Like, mm. there's this tag team. These guys look like Adonis's. Um, Trent Seven is like available. Like, that guy's awesome. Uh, Big Demo, you know, he, he's available. I'm like... There's uh, Dan Maloney. This guy's wicked. I'm like, dude, these, there's some like top, top talent over there that if they came to, uh, she was fun to work with two sessions. Um, I mean, can't just keep keep bringing guys and then you're going to end up like AEW where there's just guys everywhere and everyone's shitting their pants because there's a lot of guys everywhere and they don't know what's going on. But if there's some room, I, I hope I get to have, to a point where I can actually have some impact and say, we should really consider this guy and, and I can do that because there's a lot of guys out there that I just know can... If, if, I'll give you an example. JTG. That guy has money left to be made. 
that guy can be a draw. That guy is talented. He's a cool dude in the locker room. And I'm like, Scott, this guy's just sitting here. Like, he works at NWA right now, but I just think there's so much more that guy can do. So if I can be an influence in some capacity and help some guys get hired, uh, you guys are quick. Uh, he's you know, so whole, big now, eh? He's, he's you know what? He's, he's big. Third. He's like a man now because he was so young. Yeah. And uh, he's jacked. Um, he, he, you know, the fact that he did not give up and say, oh, it's either WWE or, or nothing. Like, you know, he carried on with his career. That To me, that means you deserve it, man. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, look at him. Oh, Shad. Rest in peace, man. Fucking hero. Yeah. Fucking hero. Um, before we went on air, one of our producers was asking me, I don't, I don't know where this came from. It was just a random wrestling question. He asked me about PCO. And oh, PCO yeah. is a friend of the show. We've known him a long time. Is he a fucking, is he a freak of nature? He's freak older than nature. you, and he's still out there breaking his body. Yeah, he's, uh, I'm, I'm Com- trying to complete freak of nature, here. right? This guy's like 55 or something, but the sh- like, yeah, jumping off the top rope to the outside and stuff. And he is, he is a freak of nature. That's the only way you can put it. He's a freak of nature. He, he lives a very healthy lifestyle outside of wrestling. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything. Just works out. But I mean, the, he's awesome. He's a great guy too, man. Like this guy was doing jobs. This- Sorry. Go ahead, Donnie. Oh, I was just going to say he's been, he was doing jobs in WWF back in the late eighties and he's still going. Yeah. Santino, if you don't mind, we got a couple ahead, questions Sid. here. I want to I want to ask you from some of the guys in the chat here. Uh, sure. Andrew wants to know, hey guys, he's uh, one of the sports guys here on the network <clears throat> with his own sports show. What was the favorite part of your in ring career, if you have my one? Like, if, that's a tough Oof. one, man. You got to like pinpoint a lot of like Oof. because you had like. <sighs> Here, here's while you're thinking about that question, because this is a question to me. Did you think that at any time when you were doing that spot with Donald Trump, that you were standing across the, the ring with a guy who was going to be so polarizing on such a grand scale and not just the guy from the reality show? You know what I mean? Like you've had the opportunity to be in there with like a lot of people and a lot of characters. Muppets. Yeah, they, so. When they you know, did the remember they did the the, the general uh, uh, guest general managers and they did right. that for like I think over a year and I was always <laughs> and I was always paired up with our with the Hollywood guest general managers and I think I didn't I was on all the live events but I didn't wrestle on Raw for like a year because I was doing all these pre tapes so then when I came back and started wrestling again. The, the, the fan reaction was through the roof because they got to know me throughout the years with all these, these pre-tapes. Donald Trump, there he is. That's when he fired my sister. <laughs> Johnny, I'm sorry. I never do this, but is that Santino we're looking at there? Yeah. No, that's his sister, Joe. All right. They, have, okay. they just have matching tattoos. Yeah, yeah they have matching tattoos. I was born three minutes um, before her, and she just really idolized me and got all my tattoos. And that neck strap 
holding and down. She also her loves lady. Led Zeppelin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, we got a message, uh, Santino, from one of our producers saying that, uh, well, we are broadcasting right now on the Shuli Network, Shuli Agar's network, and Shuli um, sent along a hello for you. Uh, saying he met you down at the Ric Flair roast and he wanted to send his his best. Oh, right on. Yeah, the Ric Flair. Oh, my God. That was a great weekend. I actually went down and drove down, me and uh, George Terzis, and we drove down yeah. to Nashville just to hang out with Flair and just have a, a weekend of festivities. And I got COVID, and it was still worth it. <laughs> I it remember... I love George Terzis. Like for anyone out there listening who doesn't know who he is, George Terzis is a, he was a jacked, legit, like Greek God looking dude and really good in the ring. Um, I was booking shows uh, in Hamilton and I had George on a show wrestling for a title and you were at the height of the Santino Morella character in WWE and you showed up and just kind of chilled not in the dressing room, but amongst the people, and you just sort of chilled and, and watched the show to support him. I was like, that's yeah, fucking London. cool. I think I remember that. Is that London or Hamilton? Hamilton. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so George Terzis was, you know, we started training the same day. We went to Japan together, went to OVW together, and he was, like, slated to get signed, like, shortly after me, but he yeah. broke his elbow, and he had to get driven back home to Ontario and you know by the time the ankle healed up and he got well enough you know the 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 the, the climate had changed a little bit and there was a couple other times you know he had a really good he he had a, a wicked tryout one time at raw and he looked too good they wanted to give him a match with like the Highlanders and they go I can't put that guy in the ring he, he's wrestled Kurt Angle on like SmackDown, Mr. Kennedy on SmackDown. And every time he has these moments, these matches, he gets over and he gets the chant. There was, he wrestled Kennedy and the ACC was like chanting George. And uh, like, oh man, he was, he was, he was seconds away from getting a contract another time. He saw John Laurinaitis backstage and, you know, they know each other. And he said, look, Johnny, let me come down to Florida. If I don't get over in six months, I'll leave. You don't even have to fire me. And, and then, honestly, Johnny's looking at him, and there was this pause, like one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. There he oh. is. <laughs> and uh, look at George. And and then Johnny, I swear, man, Johnny was about to say, "You got six months." Like it was mm. at the tip of his tongue. And then someone goes, "Johnny, the car's ready." And he looks over and he goes. I'll call you. And I was like, oh, that was supposed to be, it was, it was right there. It was right there. Two, I don't know, two seconds longer, he would have said you got six months. Fuck, man. It, it's the way it happens sometimes, you know? And good enough? Absolutely. Would have thrived there? Absolutely. You know? It, well, yeah, fuck. It's the way it is sometimes. Hey, over in AEW, there's a... Um... <sighs> There's a perception amongst their locker room. And I know you don't work there and, you know, you don't have any affiliation with them. But there is a perception amongst their locker room. And, and part of it comes from a very famous tweet that Hangman Adam Page put out when someone had said to him, 
hey, you've got a ton of brain power in your company. You got Jake the Snake Roberts, you got Arn Anderson, you got Dean Malenko, you got Mark Henry, Big Show, on and on and on. Why don't you guys ever leverage these guys and pick their brains on how to make shit better? And his response was, we don't need help. We're fine. So that's become sort of like the mantra, right? Of a lot of that generation. They think they don't need help. They're fine. What's it like in impact? Oh, impact is, is actually a great blend of experienced guy. It's the way it's supposed to be, to be honest. There's guys with experience, guys on their way out, guys on their way in, guys that, you know, in the peak of their career. And it's actually, uh, it's funny you say that because I noticed that. I'm like, this locker room is really well balanced with vets mm. and rookies. I mean, you know, H Hangman, he, he could have meant we're okay as a company, you know, I'm hoping that's what he meant. And I'm hoping he didn't mean that we're, we're okay because, um, you know, e even the way I like to book, I used to book, you know, student shows. It's like you, you could have the best steakhouse in the world, but if it's a bologna sandwich market and no one's buying steak, you know, you're going to have to pivot and start frying up some bologna sandwiches. So uh, it, it, it's the audience that thinks they want something and they like moves and they like six cutters and they like all this shit and all whatever. They're the ones that get carried away the most when someone comes along with a really believable story and someone either storyline or telling the story in the match and they're selling and they're not doing any move. Like they're just, they, they won't even be conscious of the fact that why they just loved this match so much, but they did. And, you know, that's what we're facing. It's an uphill battle. I have students that, you know, are, are now good enough to go work the Indies. And I have to tell them, listen, you're going to be surrounded with bullshit and you're going to think, Oh, this, this must be, this must be the way I'm supposed to wrestle because this is the way everybody wrestles. And if you were surrounded by a particular type of wrestling, I can't blame you for thinking that. Except I'm telling you right now, that's what you're going to see, and you got to be diligent, you got to be disciplined, and you got to say, okay, these guys are stuck here for a reason because they don't know how to fucking work. And it's not about, it's, you know. I learned that on day one. I learned every goddamn move in wrestling in a month. And then uh, learned that at work. It took me fucking 2,000 matches or 1,000 matches. You know what I mean? Um, so it's definitely not the fucking moves. That's for sure. Now, moves are moves. It's, a, it's the ability to get over that the hard part is, right? Not everybody understands that path. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. So then you got the ability to tell a story. But then what trumps everything is just the ability to be over. And, yeah. and you can't. Some guys that are over don't even know why they're over. They're just so charismatic naturally. They don't even have to think about it. But whatever, man, if you're over, you're, you're over, man. It's easy. <laughs> Santino, is there anyone in particular that you can call out by name right now in the Impact locker room? Young guy, young girl, maybe there's a couple of them that really go extra hard picking your brain. Please, sir, watch my match. Please, sir, any feedback? Like, is there anyone in particular that is just latching on to you and trying to glean anything off the, off of you that they can? Um, Joe Hendry a little bit, because, you know, he does some comedy stuff, and he'll come and ask me. And uh, it's funny, uh, uh, Gresham, <laughs> Jonathan Gresham, 
he doesn't know my so my preferred style of wrestling is like you know battle arts like japanese style uh you know like the original battle arts so anyway i walked up to him one time i said can i can i tell you something there was a small technical glitch in his match against speedball i guess i can say it whatever uh, mm -hmm. speedball is left-footed mm -hmm. aggression would chop with the right hand and then he'd have to turn to feed for a left left kick so when you turn it's like okay my turn to strike your turn to strike and in a real fight there's no my turn your turn so i just said hey consider chopping so hard you just have a follow-through step with your left foot to organically get in that position that's now open for a left kick as opposed to saying let me turn this way so you can kick me and his face his face like Oh yeah, he goes. Hey, he made it. It was really funny. He goes, man, no one's ever come up to me. And, uh, what do you say? Like he he referred to it as uns unsolicited advice, but in a positive way. He's like, man, no one's ever given me advice that I didn't ask for that made sense. And I was like, okay, I get your point. You didn't ask for it, but now, but now he's like, did you see anything? Did you see anything? And uh, I guess I've earned his respect a little bit. Uh, sometimes though, like I'm backstage. Doing, uh, getting ready for a pre-tape or something, so I don't uh, necessarily watch all the matches, but and, and I can't critique some of the matches, like you know, I can't critique Trey Miguel. I, I can't do any of that stuff. I got, that kid's super talented. Yeah, it's a totally different style, but you can you can talk to him about those moments between, right? Yeah, I said I mean, like, like a guy because I really like the way he slapped him on the back and ran in the other direction. <laughs> 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 it's exactly how it would be in a Yeah, there's Trey. He's wicked, man. I feel like that's that's a commonality with a lot of the young wrestlers today, right? Who grew up in the anti-bullying era. They've never actually been in a real fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I didn't realize the different okay. I knew there was like strong style, there's like we call it Memphis style, like when you tell stories, and there's you know, Lucha Libre, and now there's this uh Video game, they call it video game wrestling. That's just like yeah. move, 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 and whatever. That's a genre. And then you get guys that they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to take a little bit of this style, a little bit of that style, and make their own kind of style. But it's uh, it's tough, man. It's a t for, for up and coming or aspiring wrestlers, how do you be unique? Everything's been thought of. You have to go back far enough where um, just people haven't haven't seen it, you know. So that so it's new, but it's not new. It's just recycled. And um, anything, how many like a storyline? What the fuck is a storyline? These guys were friends, and then they turned their back on each other, and like storylines are useless. I, I think that I mean the occasional storyline is fine, obviously. But I think one thing that we don't do that's right in front of us is just have contenders. This guy's number seven. Fighting number six, and if they win, they're going to fight the number three guy next month. And it's so simple, right? We're, we're trying to come up with storylines for everybody. Well, can he be a guy who just wants to become champion? And it's like, like you guys watch UFC, you know, like that guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Dariush, Darnell Dariush, whatever. Darnell Dariush, yeah, yeah. And he's a guy. He yeah. doesn't have a storyline. He's just a guy. Give me a title shot. He's just working his way up until it's undeniable yeah. that he gets a title shot. And that is a real life storyline. Yeah.
Yeah, but I mean, it's very much, I mean, you know as well as I do, the world of MMA and UFC especially has taken a lot from uh, professional wrestling in the aspect of rankings don't matter. It's what makes the money. So the matchup, what makes the money, what tells the story? Is there a hidden story that they can exploit in it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's, that's complete pro wrestling stuff. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. So, it's, I mean, not a knock, not a knock because, I mean, it's, it, it's, it, 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 hell, it paid for everything that you're sitting in front of right now. You know what I mean? It, pro wrestling's done wonders for you. It's done wonders for a lot of people. It's not a knock that the, that the UFC would take from them. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And, and we have to actually coexist with MMA now. So we have to adapt our wrestling. Like I can't grab your, you know, the top wrist lock thing. I can't sit there and just make it. People go, fuck, push your hand off. What the fuck? Like uh, yeah. people, people understand grappling now. They understand fighting now. Before, if Big John Studd gave you a fucking crushing headlock, I probably can't get out because I don't know. I've never even had a headlock from a fucking giant before. I'm sure it's pretty hard. But now people understand so much more about grappling and they can identify when a triangle choke has been put on or someone's rolling through for an ankle lock and they, they pop. I, I had a match with Jamie Noble when I was still in developmental and I did this, uh, it's called Yoko, uh, Yoko Sankakujime. It's a side triangle choke and it was way too advanced or at the time. Everyone thought it was just a head scissors. <laughs> And then he fucking passed out from my head. It was like the worst reaction. There was no reaction, which is the right. worst reaction. But uh, now, if the you worst reaction. Because people watch the AD, AD, ADDC or whatever it's called. Yeah. Slow, slow grappling and all that shit. So people really know a lot about grappling now or yeah. fighting in general. Have you found so, yeah, that since you noticed that you get a chance to watch a lot more? Because I know that you went back and you're 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 watching and and taking part in like commentating stuff or a lot more judo stuff that you've done recently. Do you get more of a chance to watch, you know, and go back and watch like the NCAA wrestling just happened like last week, couple weeks ago or something? You know what I mean? Like, do you get a yeah, chance lately, to do lately I'm watching Treehouse, man? I got, yeah. I, got a, <laughs> I got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And I'm watching the well, Wiggles. I clarified that because it would have been weird if you were just sitting around watching fucking Treehouse. <laughs> I love Emma from the Wiggles. No, it's a, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, this is the latest time up. I got to go to bed at nine o'clock because uh, yes. I got to get up at five. But yes. uh, yeah, normally I'm in bed by now. Well, we will let you go. Listen, everyone out there. Yeah, everyone out there, remember, you can see. Santino Marella every Thursday night, 8, 8 Eastern, 7 Central on Access TV. He's on Impact Wrestling as the director of authority, laying down the law, telling everybody what to do. Of oh, course, yeah. if you're in the Southern Ontario area, the greater Toronto area, looking for a place to train, you want to be a fighter, you want to be a pro wrestler, you can go to Battle Arts. They've got locations in Mississauga. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're sitting in Beaverton right now, right? Oh, this is, this is my garage. Okay, garage. What the fuck? Yeah, well, because well, during during COVID, uh, we moved up north, and I didn't know because our, our gym was closed. So I just I, I cherry picked some equipment, and uh, we opened a personal training studio up here. It's my wife is a fitness fanatic, so 
this is her place to keep her sane. It's literally like the third battle arts location. That's what it looked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I trained my son. You can here, check actually. out Battle Arts online. We'll post all the links. Uh, yeah, that's a dope garage. Says Stone Papa Smurf. Um, we'll post <laughs> hey, all the links. Impact's coming so you to can Toronto. Check out Battle Arts. What's that? Impact's coming to Toronto. I think April 15th, 16th. Uh, at the Rebel Complex. It's going to be wicked. Yeah, we got to get in there. Hook us up, Santino. Yeah, I will. Um, we'll put all the links so you can check out Battle Arts up on godfathersofpodcasting.com. We'll also put up Santino Morella's socials. You can find him on Instagram at Milan Miracle. And, uh, of course, like I said, Impact Wrestling every Thursday night, 8 Eastern, on Access TV. Listen, Impact may not be the biggest wrestling company, but over the last two years, they are doing some of the best television in pro wrestling. And I'm not saying oh, that because you're here. It's a hundred percent honest. Like they're doing really, really good TV. I agree. The in-ring product, so, I'll put it up against anybody. Agreed. And Black Taurus might be my favorite wrestler on the planet. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love Black. Much man, we really appreciate your time tonight. Oh, thank you, boys. I'm gonna head in and get and get ready for tomorrow morning. Awesome. All right. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. There he is. Wow, that went longer than expected. Thank you to everybody in the, uh, in the chat. Sorry we didn't get to everybody's questions tonight, obviously. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, it's what happens. We're, you know, we run a little bit long here. Thankfully, uh, Shuli has given us the opportunity to do so. And uh, Hell otherwise, yeah. fight about it. Um, and by fight about it, I mean, you can take it up with Donnie. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like uh, before we go very fight. quickly, everybody needs to go check out again swiftlifestyles.com backslash discount backslash godfathers 15% off. Get those energy drinks. It's what keeps us going and what keeps me going right now Boom. on this whole thing. So uh thank you very much to everybody. Thank you to you, Donnie. Thank you to all the guys in the back. Uh I don't know who why his Wi-Fi is worse, Donnie or Levy. Well, I guess, yeah. I guess we'll have to find out. Maybe we have dueling Wi-Fis with those two tomorrow. I don't know. Mine awesome. seem clean. My speed says it's like top-notch right now. I don't know what's going on. We'll we'll look into yeah. it. We'll see what we can Absolutely. do. Listen, this is episode 130 of the Godfathers of Podcasting. That's Tid. I'm Donnie. Go to godfathersofpodcasting.com to see everything that we're up to. Find our socials. Buy our shit. Donate a couple bucks. Whatever it is you want to do. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Huh? Supposed to be a code up there. Oh, there it is. That's our code. Scan it. PayPal. Send us a couple bucks. And we'll be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much to all of you for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just.